You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Nearly 2,000 years ago, in, in the backwoods of the Roman Empire, a baby was born, but not just any baby. This baby had ancient prophecies over him that he'd bring peace to the world. It was foretold that this child would grow up and he would unite all races and nations in his name. It was prophesied that he'd be born in Bethlehem and he'd be in the line of Israel's King David, that he'd grow up in the Galilean Valley of Israel. I mean, Jesus of Nazareth not only had these sensational prophecies around his birth and upbringing, but also around his whole life and ministry. Foretold that he would restore the sight of the blind, that he'd heal the sick, that he would fix the broken limbs of the paralyzed. And Jesus traveled around preaching how to be made right with God and, and how eternal life and the kingdom of heaven can be yours. And then one weekend, it all seemed to come to an abrupt stop. Jesus was arrested and wrongly convicted as a criminal with felony charges against him, against Caesar and corruption and conspiracy against Rome. And he was sentenced to death by the worst way possible, crucifixion. The Friday of Jesus' death and, and Easter Sunday today, this weekend really is the most important weekend in history. And on some level, we all know this is true. Some of us came to church today and, and you don't normally, and I love that you're here. I, I love it. And I just want you to think about why, why you are here. You know there's something about Jesus and his death and this Sunday that caused you to change what you normally do. And right now, today, people all around the world from Dubai to Thailand to England to Kenya, Brazil and Australia, people are gathering or have already gathered or will gather to remember and to celebrate Jesus and this and just this weekend in history. You know, no one else gets this treatment. I mean, we in the United States, we have our special days and holidays to celebrate significant leaders. We have President's Day, MLK Day. But listen, no one outside the USA cares about those days. Chileans don't care about Columbus Day. But there are some Chileans who care about this day, who care about Easter. So what in the world brings Americans, Syrians, Iraqis, the French, and Ethiopians together? Why is Easter such a global phenomenon? And it's because what Jesus did for us in Jerusalem. Not what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. Don't confuse it. It's not what just happened to Jesus, but what Jesus did for us. And in John 19, one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and ministry tells us, this is John, tells us what happened on this Easter weekend. And that's where we're gonna look. So as we do every week, if you're able, I'm gonna invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. And if you don't have a Bible, or you haven't, don't worry, it's also gonna be up on the screen. Beginning in John 19, verse 17, our brother, the apostle John, tells us by the Holy Spirit that they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went out to what is called 
place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. They were, they, there they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate, this is the Roman ruler of this area, also had a sign made and put it on the cross and it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read the sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's let's not tear it, but cast lots for it and to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says they divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. And standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now. As we look at these words of Christ, your son, our savior on the cross, and we would learn maybe for the first time and we would remember again today what it means that it is finished. So help us now, King Jesus. And it's in your name and by the spirit that we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, famous last words can be encouraging, inspiring. Winston Churchill leader of Great Britain's army and the bulldog who led the charge to defeat Hitler. Reportedly, it's, his last words were this. I'm bored with it all. Hope you're inspired this Easter morning now. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci, a great artist, reportedly said, I've offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Yeah, because the Mona Lisa stinks. That's what everybody thinks. Natalie's grandfather, who died just about a couple years ago, his last words as he lay there on his deathbed in the hospital, arms up and said, I'm a goner. No joke. I'm a goner. The Buddha reported his last words were something like this. Strive to get your own salvation. Work hard to get your salvation. Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished. Jesus says, it's done. Buddha says, keep going, good luck. I'm gonna go with Jesus. And I wanna encourage you 
to go with Jesus too. And the reason I, I want to contrast Buddha's last words and Jesus isn't because I worry that some of us are going out to Buddhist temples this afternoon and, and visit Buddhist temples, Buddhist, Buddhist temples at dark. I'm not really worried about that. But what I am concerned with is that some of us still actually live by the words of the Buddha, working hard to get our own salvation, striving without ceasing that we're the ones that will get us there. So do you really think that you being a good person is what is going to get you saved? That heaven and eternity and peace with God is, is only possible if you do more good than you do bad. And that maybe even today on some level, you're here on Easter Sunday hoping you're filling up your basket with eggs of goodness before God. Friends, that's Buddhism, not Christianity. The great message of Christianity is what Jesus yelled from the cross with arms and ankles nailed with Roman giant iron spikes. It is finished. But what is the it? What is the it? It's what Jesus came to do. Also prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus, who is the son of God, would suffer for our sins. All the way back in Genesis, it's prophesied that someone would be born of a woman who would crush the serpent that would save sinners. Listen, see, Jesus wasn't surprised by his crucifixion. He told his disciples often it was going to happen. He told them often, I am going to be arrested when we get to Jerusalem and I will be handed over and I will be killed. Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. At the beginning of this book, of the Gospel of John, a man sees Jesus walking up named John the Baptist, who's a great preacher, and he sees Jesus and he says, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. So when Jesus is nailed to a cross, pinned up there like an insect, and when he yells, it is finished. He is saying, I am taking away sins. I am doing what John the Baptist said I came to do. And friends, crucifixion was reserved for the worst in society the biggest losers and rejects and dregs of Roman society, they were the only ones that were crucified. So when Jesus is crucified and he looks like the biggest loser in society, he is actually succeeding. He is not losing because it is finished. And the Bible lifts up the hood for us on what is that it? What is happening? What is Jesus accomplishing? What is he finishing? And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.24 that he himself, Jesus, bore our sins that were put on him in his body on that Roman tree, that cross, so that him having died to sins, so that we might live, that we could live for righteousness, be forgiven and walk in this new life because by his wounds, you have been healed. Now listen, every single one of us, we have sinned. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I don't pretend that I'm not a sinner and I don't pretend that you aren't a sinner. I can't evade that reality in my life. And listen, the message of Christianity isn't pretend. Pretend you're not a sinner. That's what Bible Belt religion says. Bible Belt religion says, pretend you're okay. Act right. Put on a show. Put on your Sunday best. 
fake it till you make it. Hide your troubles. You understand the cross of Christ if instead of hiding your sins, you see them as paid for by Jesus. You understand Easter and when you sin, instead of running from God, but running to God. Jesus is basically saying with his cross and in his ministry, I know you are not okay. And I am here to fix your non-okayness. I want you to know that it's okay to not be okay, but no, Jesus doesn't want you to stay there. And the only way we can get out of our non-okayness isn't by flipping a switch, okay, I'm really gonna try hard. I'm gonna roll back the stone in my life and I'm really gonna try now. No. It is by believing what Jesus said as he was stapled to a cross. It is finished. And believing that when he said that, that he is actually telling the truth, that he really did pay for my sins. So I don't have to. In full, settled. He was really punished for my crimes against God. His wounds, that crown of thorns, that spear in his side, that blood falling on Jerusalem soil really was paying for me, healing me, my soul, my eternity. And I can be forgiven by God forever. And the Bible says, if you simply believe that what Jesus did for you is true, then it's yours. You are forgiven. Your sins are paid for. Nothing left for you to do. It, the payment, is finished, done. You don't have to add you being a really good person. You don't even have to pray some kind of magical prayer and be really good at attending church and, and make sure you read the Bible. None of those things. Jesus, done, paid for, accomplished, yours. The great truth of Christianity, unlike what Buddha said, and unlike what other religious leaders teach, is that we are saved because of Christ. And not anything we do, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I tried Top it off for me. I tried. You finish the task. Friends, this scream of Jesus on the cross, it's not just a statement he's making. He is preaching. And he's calling on you to believe this sermon. It is finished. Do you believe that Jesus paid for your sins? Do you want forgiveness? He offers it to you. Do you know that God has forgiven you? That eternal life can be yours because of Jesus and him alone. And that you can walk with Jesus and walk with God, not in fear, not in fear of his wrath, but in fellowship and in kindness with him. And do you know why you should believe it is finished? Notice what Jesus also didn't say. He didn't say, I am finished. He did not say, I am finished. It is finished. My mission, my task. Because Jesus, when he uttered these words, he was not done for. John 20 continues after his death. He's buried, and then his friend Mary is headed to his tomb. 
to finish dressing his corpse. And the Bible says that on the first day of the week, this is Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, this is John, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. His body is gone. Verse three, at that, Peter and the other disciple, John, went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. John just saying, I'm way faster than Peter. (laughs) Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths, these burial clothes, lying there, but he did not go in. You need to get the scene in your mind. There's a tomb. They're looking in. I can see burial clothes. There's no body. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. Peter finally gets there. Peter entered the tomb. Peter goes in and saw the linen burial cloth lying there, looking around, no body. And look what else he sees. Verse seven, the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with a linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who reached the tomb first (laughs) then also went in, saw no body, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She was crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She's checking too. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. She told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I feel like I have to alert you about some breaking news this morning. It is finished are not the last words of Jesus. He lives. And at first they think someone has moved Jesus's body. And they're right. Jesus did. (laughs) On Easter morning, his cold corpse warmed back up. This is not just some spiritual ghostly resurrection. His body rose back up to 98.6 degrees. His once dead brainstem fired back on. 
Those veins that were spilling blood on Sunday, hollowed out on Saturday, were filled again, surging with blood on Sunday. His lungs filled with oxygen and he exhaled. His eyelids flung open, amino acids flowing, and he grabbed that wrapping on his head, folded it up and said, I don't need that anymore. He rose again. Friends, Easter is the news that no matter how bad things get, even the Son of God dying for three days, it's not the end. No matter what is so devastating in your life, with Christ, it is not the end. And this is why you should wrestle with Jesus' sermon, it is finished. Because, you know, I'm not impressed with the last sentence of a dead guy. People can say all kinds of things when they're dying. I'm not impressed by Churchill's last words. I'm not impressed with Da Vinci's last words. I'm kind of impressed with I'm a goner. (laughs) I'm not impressed with Buddha's last words. But a guy who says something like this, it is finished gives up his spirit, his last breath, is buried by his friends, Friday night, Saturday, and then Sunday morning, he is now uncorpsed. Now, everything he says is significant. The uncorpsed Christ undoes our unbelief. And everything he says now deserves a hearing. Everything the risen Christ says now totally matters. If he is still dead, who cares? But if he reigns, if he lives, since Jesus isn't a pile of bone dust and fragments, now everything he said deserves your belief, deserves you, deserves you considering, deserves you hearing. So when he says, I am the way, his living body gives credence. He is the way. He says, I'm the truth. And I said I was going to rise again, and I did. I am the way, the truth. I am the life. Crucified, dead, buried. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way to be saved. Give up your striving. Give up your trying to impress God and come through me. And when Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection, he wasn't kidding. You know, sometimes Jesus is very hyperbolic. He speaks with a lot of exaggeration. Not this time. I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even if he dies, and all of us will die, Jesus says, but guess what? You will live because I live. Not only do we rise with him spiritually when we believe, we will rise again with him physically. The risen Jesus and his radical statements like this are now not ignorable because his tomb is vacated. And with him, there is great joy. Did you see how the disciples reacted? Look at John 20, 19 here on the screen. When the evening, was the evening that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked. Why? Because they feared the Jews. They're worried. Man, we're going to get arrested. We're going to get crucified. Wait, we are in trouble. But Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I wonder what fears you have this morning. 
What concerns you? Are you worried about your eternity? Do you have fears about your health? Do you have fears? We have all kinds of fears in our lives. And here are these group of disciples hiding in their fears. And Jesus says, I want to enter right in. And the risen Christ has the same offer to you today. He wants to enter right into your fears. You don't, Jesus is not just a bomb, a salve for your fears. He is an atomic warhead for our fears. Devastates them with his deliverance from death. And notice about these disciples, look at what he says to them. His first words to his disciples, peace be with you. These are the guys that sold him out. These are the guys that betrayed him. These are the guys that said, I don't know Jesus three times. Don't know him, don't know him, don't know him. And notice what Jesus says to them. He doesn't say, first of all, thanks a lot, guys. He doesn't go, listen up, losers. Which is a lot how we think God interacts with us. We're sinners. We've blown it. We doubt. We give in to our fears. We pull away from the world. We pull away from each other. Jesus enter in, Jesus enters in and he doesn't say, get it together, come on. He enters in on Easter and he says, peace be with you. I have peace to offer you. I have blessing to offer you. I have joy to offer you. I have forgiveness of sins to offer you. I have an eternity to offer you. Peace be with you. And it comes with Christ. Look at verse 20. Having said this, he showed them his hands. Look at the scars, his side. I'm not a ghost. This is my body. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Are you rejoicing over your risen Christ? Knowing I am forgiven. It is finished. You can't have peace with God that your future is settled. You have a new life, the Savior who loves you, who died for you, who was raised for you, and who is returning for you. This is Easter. So I want to invite you to look to the one whose last words weren't actually his last words at all. And they weren't the sputterings of a man knocking at death's door. It was a sermon. A sermon you must respond to. A sermon you should believe. That he lives that it is finished and that he speaks. And actually Jesus' last words recorded in the Bible, they're actually in Revelation. I am coming soon. The risen Lord will return and we will raise with him new bodies. We'll talk to him. We'll walk with him together and eternal life because he conquered death for us. And we will raise with him and these new bodies that are cancer-proof, holy, death-immune bodies because when Jesus rose again, he put death on its deathbed and death will be no more and tears will be no more and he will wipe away every tear from our faces and we will rise and reign with him forever and it is yours by his gracious gift if you'll just believe. This is Christianity. All because when he said it is finished, he meant it. So happy Easter, church. Let's join in with this global phenomenon from Chile to Argentina to England to Dubai to Australia. And why don't we just sing our heads off now? Let's rejoice. <laughs>
Happy Easter. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.